This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up on today's feature award-winning Moranalytics podcast, I got recurring guest Chris Baker from Sabres Prospects. Been a while since I've had Chris on the podcast. In fact, it's been a while too long since I've had a good Sabres conversation on this podcast. Chris is as good as it gets when it comes to the Buffalo Sabres, Sabres talk, prospect talk. So I'll have Chris on and we'll have a really good Buffalo Sabres conversation. Also, when I was in Buffalo recently, I had wings at a bunch of different places. Haven't really had an opportunity to talk about them on this show yet, but there's seven places that I have takes on when it comes to wings. So we'll talk about those as well later on. I want to let you know, though, before I get going with the show, today's show is being supported by Sounds Assured. So check it out. It seems that everyone out there has their own podcast today. I listen to one ton of them. Many hours a day I spend listening to podcasts. And I can tell you right now, the biggest mistake I hear, I can almost tell instantly every time many people make this mistake. You go out, you spend all your money on the best microphones and boom arms and interfaces, recording devices, headphones, all that stuff. But the problem is... You get it all and you don't treat your recording environment. I'm talking about mainly your walls, your ceiling around that recording environment that you have. And the result is pretty obvious, man. The audio still sounds like crap. It sounds like you're in some kind of big hall. It's just not a good sound. Look, you need to invest in acoustic treatments. You got to make the gear that you spend that hard-earned money on thrive. Sounds assured is top-notch acoustic foam. I know this personally because some of my own home studio here has been outfitted with stuff from Sounds Assured. It's available in multiple sizes, very reasonably priced, and most importantly, really good quality because, look, you could go on Amazon and you can buy the cheapest stuff out there and it might look okay as it sits on your wall, but it's not going to do the job. It's not going to work for you. Again, invest in your audio the right way. Visit SoundsAssured.com. Give them a call. Someone will be more than happy to discuss your needs with you. And as a bonus, use promo code Moran10 at any checkout and you're going to get 10% off any order. Do yourself, do your podcast, do your audio production a really big favor. Check out soundsassured.com. And on that note, let's do it. Let's do it. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moran Analytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. All right, everyone, episode 186, Moran Analytics Podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening, for downloading. Tell you what, let's just dive right in today. I'm not going to mess around here at the top. I'm joined right now by recurring guest, Chris Baker. Oh, it's been way too long since I had him on, man. Chris is my Sabres guy, of course, especially when it comes to prospects. It's what he's best known for in Sabres circles. What's going on, buddy? How you doing, Chris? Been a while. Doing well. Happy New Year and uh, happy end of football season. It's like my season seems to start. Once the bills are done, that's, it's kind of crazy, right? Like my media season anyways, no yeah. one really wants to talk to me in the fall, <laughs> but, um, 
no, it's a it's a good problem to have. Happy to be here with you once again, Pat. Well, this is the fourth time that I've had you on the podcast. First time, though, since I, I had to look it up. Since all the way back last May, it was like episode 121. I also had you on 58 and 31. By the way, episode 31 was still my favorite. That was the first time I had you on, and that was one of those giving fans an opportunity to get to know more about you that was like telling, you know, your whole story. So if anyone listening wants to go back, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Go check that out in the archives. So how you been, buddy? Like I said, it's been a while. I just was in Buffalo a couple weeks ago and I always, when I'm in Buffalo now, I do like wings with, and I try to hook up with some sports media people or some athletes and do shows at wing spots. And, uh, it just never works out that I could get with you for one of those. I got next time I'm in Buffalo, we got to get together in person and actually have some wings. Although I'm pretty sure that would turn into beers with Chris Baker pretty quickly, man. But you know, I love having you on the phone and it's fun having you in a podcast, but next time I'm up in Buffalo, man, we got to hook up for sure. Let's do it. You know, I did notice that you were here in town and I did notice that I didn't hear from you. So, uh, so yeah, let's, let's get that on the radar next time. Well, sure. you, I'll even, I'll even buy the wings, Pat. How's that? <laughs> well, you just admitted just like five minutes ago that it's a uh, bill season. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk to you until <laughs> the season's over. Let me ask exactly. you, let me ask you this. Okay. Stick it with wings for just a minute here. What would be like your ideal spot for a nice kind of like, semi low key under the radar spot that like you'd be down to, to go have wings. Like what's a good Chris Baker wing spot. That's not bar bill or that's not Gabriel's gate. Do you have like one or two spots that are kind of a little bit under the radar? Well, not anymore. I mean, actually, I mean, you know, the ones that they, all the ones that I still frequent used to be the low key ones, but now they're kind of at the front of the line. You know, I've been going to nine 11 for 10 years, at least probably yeah. longer when I used to live in South Buffalo, Elmo's obviously, but I mean, I live in the village of Hamburg. And I know that a lot of people know about Mamosers yeah. or even the spot across the street. The poor house actually has really good wings, honestly. Um, I think Mamosers is probably the best way for me to answer that question. Although I'll tell you what, up on the hill in Eden, um, God, I forget the name of the place now. Shunks. Never if had you've never been to If you've never been to Shunks, it's a very small place, very small bar area, very good pub food. Actually, that's my answer. It's going to be Shunks. They have a couple different flavors. They got your traditional ones, but they make a really good wing. I've always said, Pat, that, so Shunks is my answer, but I just want to throw this in there. I think that the evolution of what you're doing in the wing space right now, I think you got to kind of flip it over now. And I think it's all about what are those worst places, the places to avoid yeah. that aren't the, that not the pizza place, you know, because you could probably put a ton of pizza joints on there for having crappy wings. But what about those other, like, what are those most overrated places or the places to avoid? I think that's like another list to work on. And you're probably at the point, how many places have you been to? I've been, as a, now that I'm back here in Florida, I've been to 67 places. So I've, <laughs> I've reviewed power ranked and talked about 67 uh, different places of the ones you just said, that one I've never been to. So I'm kind of, now I'm intrigued and I'm definitely going to have to try them. I have had mimosas and I have had poor house. Yeah. Poor house were okay. And I also need to be fair to them. I went there on a very, they have wing night. I don't remember what night of the week it is, but they definitely have a wing night. And I always mm -hmm. feel like you can never get the true authenticity of wings on wing night because they're mass producing them. There's so many people there and they're throwing 40, 50 of them at a time on the fryer. And they're just trying to get them out because so many people order them at once that I kind of feel like that's not a fair time to judge a place for wings. So I don't like to go there on wing night. And I did that one time. Mimosas I did go to and they were good. 
I wouldn't quite call them elite, but definitely like I've been to 67. I, I, I know they're inside my top 20. In fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're inside my top 15. So I, yeah, I, I like mimosas a lot. Yeah, there's somewhere between like Nolan Ryan and Jamie Moyer. There's a lot of <laughs> there, there's a lot of space between those two. But you know, hey, it's not bad being Jamie Moyer. No, Very not at reliable, all. Reliable, you know, had a had an assortment of pitches. But yeah, I hear you. Um, but I, I want to say that there's two other things real quick, Pat. I'm not going to waste our time on on wings because you probably talk about that enough. One is Shunks probably won't be like top eight or nine, but I'd be curious to see where they slot in and amongst your 67. I want to say that number two. I think that and I, this came up, actually. I went to almost a couple weeks ago, popped in. I was in the neighborhood, popped in for a beer. I was going to get some wings. And there were people sitting there from out of town. They mentioned your list, by the way. Really? They're like, this guy, Pat Moran, he ranks all the places. He, and he was really high on this place. I'm like, oh, yeah, this place is great. That's funny. I kind of know Pat. <laughs> I said, I said, you know what about his list, though, that you shouldn't look at? He's too high on Autobahn North, is what I told them. Really? I've been, yeah, I think that you're way too high on <laughs> Okay, that's fair. That's, yeah, you know, I, to get that up. I yeah. tell you, Chris, you know this, whether it's wings, pizza, beef on <laughs> whack, whatever, everything is so subjective. No, you, I mean, you have a very good point and you're not the only one. I, me and Jay Skursky did a show at Snyder's Bar and Grill in Amherst once, and I was really high on these wings. And one of my good friends ended up going there right after I put up a review and talked about it on the podcast. And he said they sucked. Not to, <laughs> not to, not to throw shade at Snyder's because I did love them, but he said they sucked. They were rubbery. They were absolutely terrible. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's always subjective. And you mentioned how I should have kind of a list to, of places to avoid. You know what else I need to work on? Because this is where I think the Wings uh, talk and any power rankings that anyone does could get a little bit dicey is this. All right, so you just mentioned Elmo's. Elmo's has the hot Cajun double dip wings, which are as good as pretty much anything in Western New York. But here's the thing, dude. They're not hot or medium. Is that a real wing? That's a specialty wing, you know, like Macy's Place Pizzeria. I mean, there's like four or five different flavors that I absolutely love in Macy's Place Pizzeria. And then you mentioned 9-11, which is number one on my list. They're just regular medium or hot wings. And that's all you're getting there. You know what well, I'm saying? It's apples, so it's like it's you're apples to oranges. Yeah, it's, it's not apples to apples when you're talking about 9-11 versus. Now, I'm, I'm um, honey mustard medium or Cajun honey mustard, actually, is what I get it almost. So Cajun honey mustard. With yeah. medium drizzle on top. Oh, really? That's the way to go. Yeah. But but your point is, and I'm with you 100%, you got to almost, almost have two separate categories. Yeah. The traditional and the exotic. Exactly. Yeah. Traditional and specialty. Because right now, again, I'm putting up hot wings from 9-11 against specialty wings from Elmo's. And that's like, they should be two separate lists and it's not fair. So anyway, that might be like my winter slash spring project. Let me ask you this. Obviously, we're going to be talking some Sabres, but you're also a sports fan. I mean, you're not just, I mean, you're known as a hockey guy, but you're not just a hockey guy. I know you like football too. What's been your take on the NFL playoffs? We're not going to talk about the Bills game. That's old news. Well, like this weekend, there were some good games on. You got a, you have a horse in the race right now, the teams that are left. Is there like a team out there that you'd like to see go to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl or do you kind of not care right now? No, I care a lot, actually, you know, because I'm in a lot of pools and you know what I mean? I like to kind of throw a little bit of whatever down and, and make the game even more interesting than it sure. already is. When I was crafting my lineups for all my different uh, pools, I kind of did it built around a Kansas City, San Francisco Super Bowl. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm still looking for. Love Kansas City. Love. Um, I actually had a bet on them before last season and it, it came really close. You know, New England kind of poo pooed that. 
So I, I believe in what Kansas City does, and I'm especially excited to see Kansas City get it together on the defensive side of the ball in the second half of the season. It's been total game changer for the entire AFC. Yeah. And I and I think um, I love the Tennessee story. I love the Rabel story. You know, we can talk about expatriates and the, how we just load the Patriots in Western New York, and I get that. But I love the story. I love the team concept that they have going there. I love the Tannehill story. I just love everything about it. Jonu Smith is that new athletic tight end. I think they need to get him the ball more yeah. next week. Um, I just I love the whole thing there um, with that story. I don't think they're going to be able to, you know, keep up in a track meet with a Mahomes. But yeah. um, I, I love what's going on. And of course, you know, I love, you know, we're older guys, man. When you see a 36-year-old Aaron Rodgers go out there and throw the ball and connect him with Devontae Adams like he was last night, that's a really good story to watch, too. But I'm still looking for a KC-San Fran Super Bowl here. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I'm all in for Kansas City, and the reason is a, a personal reason. Damone Harris, who went yeah. to UB, time in high school, very close personal family friend of ours, is playing with the Chiefs now. In fact, he's not just on the roster. He's actually playing a lot of snaps. He played like 36 snaps on Sunday. So, yeah, for that reason, I'm all in for the Chiefs. And here's something else that I wanted to talk to you about because this we're taping this later on Monday for a Tuesday release. This just happened today, and this is on the football side, but this could potentially relate to you or certainly sports media people that you know. Now, I, I got a friend, Bruce Nolan, who has a podcast, Nick and Nolan Chill. It, it's a Bills podcast. Does a really good job. He's been on this show a couple of times, and he's part of the Buffalo Rumleys Network. And occasionally, he'll write a blog, an entry. And today on Monday, he wrote a piece about Bill's defensive tackle, Jordan Phillips, basically saying that I like him. He had a good season, made splash plays, but wasn't quite that consistent. And more importantly, that he doesn't think that Jordan Phillips is a guy that the Bills should pony up a lot of money for during the offseason. Now, this is in part because even though the Bills are in really good salary cap shape, they got a lot of guys, and you know this, over the next couple of years that they really need to lock up the core players on this team. You're talking Tredavious White and Deion Dawkins and Matt Milano, you know, some guys like that. And not to mention, they just drafted Ed Oliver, who plays the same exact position, ninth overall last year, who came on really well in the second half of the season. So anyway, that was the gist of the story. It wasn't written maliciously. It wasn't personal against Jordan Phillips whatsoever. But here's the thing. So on Twitter today, Jordan Phillips reads that and calls the article hot garbage. He's one of the best three defensive tackles in the in the NFL. And I guess what I'm trying to ask you here is, have you had experience? Because obviously you do a lot, a lot of writing with Sabres prospects and other stuff like that, or just people that you know, sports media buddies. When you write something, it catches the attention of a player. And sometimes they start bitching about it. Not to mention, of course, a lot of Bills fans out there aren't going to actually read the article, which again was very objective and fair. They're just automatically going to side with the player. So this kid, Bruce, got a lot of shade thrown at him today because of stuff like that. Have you ever dealt with that where you had to really, where you've written something and maybe a player got at you over something maybe he didn't like that you wrote or that you discussed on a podcast or something like that? Um, yeah, a couple times, but it's mostly the parents of the players. Now, given, you know, I'm covering prospects and I've always had a little bit of a different angle to, to, um, articulating the opinion, you know, because I right. try to be mindful of the fact that these are kids that I'm sure. talking about. They're not grown adults and it's a, it's a different. Okay. Sure. And I think that, you know, part of my angle of attack was always to try not to be overly critical of a player because they're in a work development program. 
they're trying to achieve their dream and you're mindful of that because there's going to be bumps in the road along the way. They're, a lot of times they're subject to things that they always can't maybe control themselves. But um, I've, I've caught some crap from parents of some of these prospects before where they didn't like where when I was publishing rankings on a regular basis, you know, I'd get them bargaining for a better rankings position, even maybe before my list was out. I'd yeah. get things like that. Or if I mentioned a thing that a player needs to work on, I'd get these messages. You know, it's funny that you say that because I, I spent so much money on him working with so-and-so all summer on just that skill. And you're trying to tell me that he hasn't gotten better. I'm like, listen, I'm not saying that. And God bless you. I know what it's like being a hockey parent. You're all crazy, by the way, being a hockey <laughs> parent. But, um, you know, so I got things like that. Nothing to the level of what you just described with Jordan Phillips, who, by the way, hell of a player. Sure. And someone that the, save, uh, the Bills, excuse me, should probably try to keep it. You know, I think there's a, a limit to what they can spend. But that's another great story. And from what I can tell, you guys are way into this deeper than I am. He wants to be here, it sounds like. He does, but he wants so, to get paid. You know, he wants to get paid. And the problem yeah. is, I mean, again, he had nine and a half sacks. He had the most sacks of any AFC defensive tackle this year. And he did a lot of this. And he pointed this out on Twitter. And in fairness to him, he's right. His numbers came with about 300 less snaps than a lot of the biggest name defensive tackles out there. But again, at the same token, and you know this, not just in whether it's football, hockey, and all sports, well, except for baseball, because there is no cap. You have to make decisions that are at least based in part on the salary cap. And the Bills got a lot of guys they got to sign. And they have Ed Oliver, who they're very high on, who played very well in the second half of the season. And it's, I just, I don't have a problem. In fact, I kind of encourage, first of all, and I'm not telling you something you don't know. You already do know this for sure. Don't believe the hype when these players say that they don't pay attention to the blogs and all this shit on Twitter and all oh, these yeah. publications because they 100% do. Jordan pretty much has admitted as such where a lot of these guys will deny it, but you know they do. It was just kind of calling the article hot trash when Bruce is a very good writer, very good podcaster. I mean, again, he was not being no malice at all. He was saying it objectively, and that's just his opinion. He has a right to it, and I just don't like the way some of these athletes handle that. Pat, do you think that Jordan Phillips' season, you know, because I think he had a chip on his shoulder all year. Absolutely. Right? Do you think it's repeatable? Because I think that's the question in terms of how you formulate your offer, your salary offer, and how you want to structure his pay. And yeah. I, that's a hard thing. I mean, that's what Bean has to think about and his team. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I do question that because I'm all, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I think we all have different ideas of how, you know, how important a rotation of linemen are to a game. Yeah. I think one thing's very clear by watching the playoffs this year. You have to control the line of scrimmage yeah. in order to win playoff games. Right. And they they have a much better chance of doing that if he's on their roster. That's all I know. I don't know anything about the cap, but I just, I know that. I couldn't agree with you more. And I like Jordan Phillips, and that's a very fair question. Is his production from 2019 sustainable if mm -hmm. the Bills do reward him with, say, a four-year contract at $9, 10000000 million a year? I don't know that he's going to get that playing time and that opportunity, though, because I do, at the same token, him and Ed Oliver play that same one technique position um, at defensive tackle, or, or the three, I'm sorry, and mm -hmm. Ed Oliver's very good, so I just don't know in the future. Put it this way, I like Jordan Phillips, and he's earned his money. So if he goes out and the Raiders or whoever it may be, they want to give him a four or five-year deal and overpay him, good for him. God bless him, because you're right, he has a chip on his shoulder, and he should. He's a talented yeah. player who got dumped by Miami. He came here, no expectations, and he's way out. He's over-exceeded them by a lot. So good yeah. for him. 
One more thing yeah. too, and then then mm-hmm. I do want to talk. <laughs> He's a little Sabres hockey. I mean, you are my Sabres guy. That's why I got you on the podcast. This is but... refreshing, though. By the way, this is why I like. And this when I'm is with Tim Graham. I love talking about other things too, so it's cool. It's yeah, awesome. and then, you know, and I just like to conversate with my with my people about whatever. So, does it ever get tough for you to stay motivated when you're writing, whether it's writing or doing radio or, or podcasting? Because as much as I'll just only use myself for an example here, I love my podcast. I've been doing it for. This is episode 186. I do it twice a week. I almost, not always, but I almost always look forward to the process of doing it. But every now and then, I kind of feel like I'm getting a little bit burned out. Do you ever feel that way when you're, especially when it gets to be this time of year around draft time where I know you're going in overdrive, does it? I usually hit a wall twice every year, usually right around now, right after World Juniors, you hit a wall. And a lot of times too, I spent a lot of time watching the Sabres prospects that they already have drafted or signed to contracts in the first half of the year. And the second half of the year is when you really want to branch out and cast a wider net to watch more guys that are draft eligible. That task alone is just tumultuous because there's so many players that you want to watch. You build a schedule of, you know, sometimes you're going to map out a game where a prospect um, that the Sabres have is playing. You, you, You try to basically kill two birds with one stone in the second half of the year. And it's a challenge because you get into these spots where you're watching too many games in one day. Yeah. And um, and my dog is going to make some noise here and there. I apologize. That's cool. Chris um, Baker and his dog but, on the podcast. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a, she's awesome. <laughs> and then um, the other one is usually, you know, um, March, April, you hit another wall where that's just exhaustion. And I think what really gets you motivated is just the process itself. And, and frankly, it's the reason, you know, you start doing what you do at, uh, originally. It's just simply, you know, the the love for what you're doing, the subject matter that you're covering. And the game, like, you know, junior hockey, college hockey, it's slower. And it's easier to process, <laughs> to be honest with you. Right. You can, you actually have a really good understanding. The better players stand out at that level, you know, and it's easier to pick them up. And it's easier to just pick up on different things and why things are happening the way they are. Um, that's not why I do it, by the way. Like, <laughs> it's just like one thing that's kind of fallen yeah. out of the process throughout the years. But no, I think that it's, um, you know, <laughs> and you also, you have an obligation. Like for you, you're 150 plus episodes, almost 200 episodes, I think you said, into your podcast. Yeah. You have, there's an expectation that you're going to have content out there twice a week. Yeah. And you have an obligation to those folks that have made you successful to this point. I feel the same way. Even I'm not writing on the same schedule. And a lot of what's happened with me over the past couple of years has been, finding a work-life balance where you're still able to get the information out to the people that are expecting it from you, but you also have peace of mind and a work-life balance and it's not impacting your day job and things like that. So a lot of the motivation, to be honest with you, is the fact that people are relying on you. That's a very, that's a very fair point. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big, that's a, that's a big part of it. It really is. Let's talk Sabres now. And we just spent a few minutes talking about the bills. I kind of want to compare and contrast a little bit because Here's what I got for you, man. Why why do you feel like fans are not behind this team the way are the, the Buffalo Bills? And let me preface this by saying this. I know the Bills have been good for the last few years, okay? But I'm not just talking about the last few years. I'm talking about the better part of 17 years the Bills went without making the playoffs. But anytime they showed any hope of being good, the fans jumped on that bandwagon. And then when they ultimately would let you down, they didn't really go flying off it, at least not from my memory anyway. But with the Sabres, it kind of feels like the end thing to do right now, and you know, I'm on social media all the day. I, I work from home. 
And I spend a lot of time on Twitter and a lot of time on Facebook. And it feels to me like right now, the fans don't like the Sabres very much. They're, all right, maybe that's the wrong. I shouldn't say that. I'm not saying they don't like them. They're very mad at them, though. Okay, they're very mad at the organization right now. It feels like the fans aren't behind them and they're very angry with this organization. What do you make of that? Because it just doesn't seem like a good relationship right now between fan and organization with the Sabres. Hockey's cyclic, you know, the NHL cyclic, but for some reason the cycle hasn't hit the Sabres where they cycled up. And I think part of it too, like with the Bills, 16 game schedule, it's not this prolonged beating. You don't get as many bruises on your body or on your emotional space True. that you do with an 82 game hockey season. And a lot of Sabres fans, especially now in the era of social media, there's just so much access to information and everything's done in real time where 82 times you know, probably 41 times you're getting punched in the face and you're just getting beat down by the team that you put so much energy and, and love into. And it's more amplified here in Buffalo. You know, we just have a, a different level of love or hate, depending on how the team's going for the teams. I also think, though, when you go back five years ago, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong for people to, to have felt this way at the time, but the Sabres were very brazen in how they got to the top of the draft. Yeah. Okay. And that was their business model. And I'm, and I'll never cut down anyone who was all in on that, by the way, because people are just looking for enjoyment in their lives. And if they wanted to get behind a team that was going to lose on purpose, all the power to them, I'm never going to be saying you shouldn't have, you know, look at, you now. would you regret it? I'm not saying that at all. So I hope no one interprets it that way, but with that process came an expectation of winning. And even in July or August of 2015, Gary Bettman, Bob Rich Jr., Terry and Kim Pagula, a couple other power brokers in sports, did this little Q&A, like breakfast or lunch type of deal at Riverworks. And I referenced the article often. And Terry Pagula mentioned that he thought it was great that the fans just understood what their plan was and got behind them and they, they went along with it. And they knew that success wasn't in the standings then, but it was coming in the future. That's a direct quote from Terry Pagula. Wow. The owner was telling you that we're going to get better. And they haven't. And I think that a lot of the fans maybe feel let down by that because there was an expectation. It wasn't just, you know, the radio guys or any other media guys that were all in on tanking. And I'll just say it, right? Tanking. Yeah. Um, but I think there was an expectation that they were going to be out of this funk that they've been mired in for a long time. And that plays with your emotions too, as a fan, because basically what the team was telling you in 2015, it was almost like a movie studio, you know, Hey, we're going to, I need you to keep coming out and paying for parking and buying the concessions and paying these outrageous ticket prices. And we're going to make a couple crappy movies, but we're going to get there. We're going to make a good one in a couple of years. We promise it hasn't happened yet here. And Look at last year, that winning streak where the Sabres are, you know, winning 10 in a row. The fans, it's never been better. Is just part of the Sabres community than that streak. But then the bottom fell out, you know, and they're back to square one. And there's a lot of things where I, I just think it's expectation. A lot of it ties back to how they got Eichel and what they set out to do. My only thing on tanking and the only time I'll ever disagree with anyone on that was there's a lot of people and sometimes it comes off as maybe they're like, they're justifying it. And again, you don't have to justify it to me. I don't, I don't care, you know, but you tank to win. Eventually you don't tank to get a player to watch 
I'm sorry. I just disagree with that notion. You think to get the player and then you get the player. You, you, the goal is to win. Yeah. So, and that hasn't happened yet. And I think it all goes back to that, Pat. I really do. And here we are again. I mean, you're looking at another, an average team. They're an average team, but to your point, if you read Twitter, it, it almost sounds like the Sabres are dead last in the league and not. That's th- exactly. That's a hundred percent correct. If I didn't know any better, I would think they were dead last in the league. Now they played 46 games or I'm looking at the standings right now. So there's seven points behind Toronto for third in the division, six behind Florida in the wild card race. But if you want to look at it from a pessimistic point of view, they're also eight points away from being second last in the Eastern conference because everyone's way better than Detroit. But outside of that, just six points away from being tied for second worst, not speaking mathematically, of course, because you've been around, you know, in fact, they did it last year with a 10 game winning streak. Things could happen, but do you feel for all intents and purposes, we're at that 46 to 50 game range right now. Does it feel like this team is kind of buried already when it comes to any realistic opportunity to make the playoffs this year? If the goaltending, you need your goaltending. I'm not blaming this on goaltending, by the way. I'm probably the biggest goaltending advocate that you're ever going to find. And the goalies need help, but the goalies also need to make some saves at the right time in the game. And they're just not getting the saves right now. There's a couple things. If your goaltending can steal you a couple wins, and if your power play can get back to where it was at the beginning of the season, that can change things around. And I know their goal differential is, is double-digit negative right now, and that's never a good situation to be in, but that can change also with the power play coming back and catching fire they're an average power play right now they're right in the middle okay and i think that you got to get skinner back so you're probably looking at another 10 days from skinner being back and maybe another couple weeks you may not get olafson back from uh you know maybe early to mid february if you can get those guys back if you can stay in it until you get those guys back that's probably another goal a game that you're going to score right there with those two guys being inserted in the lineup and i think that's important um I don't. So here's my deal with the season right now. And this is what I tweeted a couple of weeks ago saying, hey, you know, you might want to trade that first round draft pick that you have and see if anyone will bite. Because I don't think that you can be five years into Jack Eichel's career and miss the playoffs. I think it's catastrophic, actually. And it kind of ties into what we just talked about with the expectations that are placed on this franchise based on how they got to getting Eichel. You can't miss the playoffs with him five years in. Do you think that's and, a reason why, Chris? Is that one of the reasons why maybe some... Sabres fans are so salty on this organization right now because you just said it. Jack Eichel's pretty much playing at an MVP level right now. He's got 59 points. He's eighth in the NHL in scoring. He's like tied for third with 27 goals. Absolutely one of the prime years of his career right now. And in some regards, it feels like maybe it's not quite there yet, but it feels like it's on the path towards being a wasted year of his prime. Do you think that might be a reason why some of these fans are as salty as they are? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's a, a huge part of it. It's you know, I, I think there's a lot of smarter fans, you know, well, I don't want to say smart. I shouldn't even say that, but there's, there's other fans that kind of saw this coming because they saw what they perceived to be inaction by the general manager this summer in terms of not making the team better, not going out and moving some defensemen out or just bringing in some fresh blood. They, they had a problem with secondary scoring last year and they didn't really do a ton to address it this off season. I think fans saw that there's a lot of fans that saw what's happening to this team right now coming. Now, maybe they didn't see Jeff Skinner getting hurt for four weeks and they didn't see Victor Olofsson a being as good as he was at the start of the year, but also being out for four to six weeks, right in the center of the schedule. And I think there's a lot of it. I mean, Eichel, look, the team goes as Jack goes. And if you look at heart trophy candidates, 
those MVPs are usually responsible for 20 to 25% of their scoring. That's exactly where Eichel is right now. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, he's, he's doing his part. Eichel is, it's getting the rest of the team healthy, but also getting the other guys that haven't been hurt, getting them to do their jobs on a consistent base, consistent basis. And that's a huge, huge issue for the team right now. Now you talked about goaltending a couple of minutes ago. I think it's been pretty much established. Carter Hunnan's not the guy. Um, you're not, you don't seem, I don't want to put words in your mouth because that would, that would just be wrong of me to do, but you don't seem like you're overly sold anyway on old Mark. What about, and I, God, I, his name's so hard for me to pronounce. Yuka Pekka-Lukinen, okay? Mm-hmm. Sabres' best goaltending prospect. He's headed to Rochester now. He did really well with Cincinnati in the ECHL. Went 12-5-3 with like a 2.12 goals against. I'm looking at the stats. Now, 9-17 save percentage. Three shutouts mm-hmm. with Cincinnati. How far away do you think this kid is? How far away do you think he should be? And is this more than likely going to be the Sabres' future answer at goaltender as opposed to Olmark? Yeah, I think he is the answer in the future. He just has to kind of prove it now and live up to those expectations. But um, really good prospect. He's got the size, got the mobility. He's got a really good goalie IQ. He understands the geometry of the position. He understands how big he is relative to the space that he's trying to take up. And I think with him coming off the double hip surgery that he had in the offseason, got a late start to the year, I think his timeline. Now, there's, there's two ways to look at his timeline. One is the ideal timeline. The ideal timeline is, Get him some games now. Maybe he shuttles back and forth between the Coast League and Rochester for the balance of the season. And your goal is next year to get him up to speed 100%. He's the man in Rochester. And then in the third year of his entry-level contract, he takes a run at being in the NHL. That's your ideal timeline. Now, the realistic timeline might be he gets up into Rochester this year, he does well. They bring him into camp next year and he does well, but they send him back down. But then he just creates so much upward pressure because he's doing such a good job in Rochester that you got to accelerate his timeline and he comes up next year and he still starts away. Got to remember, you have Hutton and Allmark under contract next year. Well, you have Hutton. Allmark is on a one year, but he'll probably be back. Okay. I'm assuming right now that you're going into the season next year with the same goalies that you have. Like it or hate it. That's just kind of how I'm seeing it right now. Um, So, I mean, he is the answer. It's just a matter of when is he the answer. I don't see a situation, honestly, I don't want to oversell Lukanen, but I don't see a situation where he's not in the NHL, at least as a, um, you know, a lower end starter. I think that his DNA is to play a lot of games and and be a very good goaltender. He's very likable. If you talk to the Sabres coaching staff and the development guys, they talk about how he makes it easy. He's a very good student. He wants to put the work in. He wants to be better. And in many ways, he already is better this year than he was last year. That's an encouraging sign that allows me to say some of the glowing things that I'm saying about him right now. Um, you, you have to look at Hutton and Allmark, and they're on their own level. And you have to let Lukanen just kind of stay on his path without, um, you know, being connected to the success or the lack of success that Allmark and Hutton are having. I know that's hard to think about. But you have to let Lucan and just kind of do his own thing right now and continue to ramp up and hope that Allmark and Hutton kind of figure it out. Hutton is a complete puzzle to me because, first of all, the Sabres really have kind of two good backups in a way, and that's kind of how it's always been. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't really had a clear-cut, legitimate starter. Now, Allmark, interesting to me, is that he has the ability to actually be the man. He has the ability to be a starter. But he still has those brain farts 
maybe not every game, but every other game, he just has a brain fart and it costs the team. And Chad Johnson used to do that, man. When Chad Johnson was here, he yeah. was never really a legitimate starter. You could always rely on one goal a game that you just knew he wanted back. And I'm kind of seeing Allmark kind of go in that direction a little bit, but it's not as it's not every game like it was with Chad Johnson. Um, but the thing about Hutton that I wanted to say, Pat, because, you know, goaltending, it's worth spending time on talking about because it's super important how the Sabres are, is I, I, I can't there's got to be something going on with Hutton, not health necessarily. Maybe it's, I, I don't know if there, and I don't have facts to support this. I don't have any information from the inside, but I, I've heard him on podcasts and I, I just see him. You wonder if there's stress with the new goalie coach or if there's something there where just the message isn't being received the right way. I don't know what it is, but you don't go from having the role that he had last year and then having a role to start the year. And then December comes and it's like, he has no role, right? It's very strange just to see how things are transpiring there with, cause here's the thing, like with all Mark, like w- when it was late December, like you got to Christmas and you're like, okay, they got to get Hutton a game. You got to get him back in there just to see if he can try Well, he finally got it. But unfortunately it was like a month later, you know, and all Mark's not the goal. He's not Martin Brodeur. He's not the guy that you roll out there 15, 20 starts in a row. Yeah. And I know they didn't do that. I mean, but, but I think that's kind of where it's really compelling to me. They need to get Hutton going again. And it's at the point now where it's like he had another start the other night against Vancouver and he did not look that good. Not all the goals were on him, but it wasn't encouraging for getting him moving in the right direction. So you're kind of like wondering what the hell, you know? Let's take a break. I want to let you know that today's episode is being supported by 26 Shirts. Over at 26 Shirts, a different Buffalo theme design is sold every two weeks. And then, bam, that's it. That's a wrap for that shirt. Here's the best part about what they do. For every single shirt sold, they make a donation to a specific worthy campaign or to a charity each and every single time. Since launching in 2013, their designs and shirts have managed to raise and donate several hundred thousand dollars. That number grows literally daily. Del Reed, his crew, they do such an amazing job. They enrich the lives of so many people. It's great to see. Not to mention, these are outstanding looking design shirts. They're comfortable. They're sporty. They look good on you. I have several myself. Head on over to 26shirts.com and see what cause need you this week. He definitely, it's like he fell off a cliff and it, it, it does. I, I mean, I don't know anything either, but it, it does seem odd. What about Dylan Cousins? And I'm asking you about some of these young kids because again, as a Sabres fan right now, I guess maybe this is the best way to feel a little bit more optimistic about the team. How has he looked this year? And when can you see his arrival coming to Buffalo? Hutton, or I'm sorry, Hutton, gosh, I'm still in goalie mode. Um, <laughs> Cousins is, um, you know, legitimate top six forward prospect for sure. I mean, could he play top line? Probably he's got the talent, but you know, it's all about chemistry anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with him, um, you know, he had a really good experience here in the fall and training camp playing with the big boys, got a couple preseason games in and kind of learned about the pace of play and everything else. When they sent him back, they gave him a simple message. Keep playing at this speed and this pace and challenge everyone to play up to your level. And he's done that this year. He has a target on his back every night in Lethbridge. Um, He's really developing a really nice two-way game, back checking. He's beating his defenseman back sometimes on the back check. I mean, I just I like what I'm seeing with him. And 
you know, he had a pretty good world junior where, you know, he was a fixture in front of the net. He was taking some key offensive zone draws, even though he was mostly playing as a winger. There was a lot of encouraging signs there with cousins. The best, the best thing, and they talked about it a lot. If you watched world junior, um, was, you know, he had that thumb injury over the summer and what that did really, it forced him to develop, you know, he had to continue working in the gym, but he focused on his lower body and they made it more explosive. You could see it on the ice. His first step is just very strong. He's, he's got a really good, he's got a pretty good, like a, just good balance and center of gravity. I think it's really good for a hockey player. He's a big body, but he moves really well. So no, I like his development. No issues there with him and really no long-term concerns. I think you probably see him up in Buffalo next year. How's Casey Middlestad looking at Rochester? What's your take on this kid? Obviously, it's far too early to call him a bust. I mean, he literally just turned 21 about a, a month or so ago. So way premature on that. But wasn't productive in Buffalo. Only speaking from a statistical standpoint, and I'm not going to sit here and lie and tell you I watch Rochester Amherst games because I don't. But it's not lining up the score sheet there either. So what's going on with him? He, uh, it took him about two and a half, three games, and then he saw the light come on for him. So that first weekend that he went down to Rochester, nothing to write home about. He was disappointing. Um, and he's gotten better and better with each and every game since then. So he's starting to score some goals. Um, he's creating chances for his line mates. He's playing a ton. He, he was averaging like 13 minutes or so. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he's, you know, I, I broke down his shifts of his games and he's getting over 20 minutes every night and he's killing penalties. He's playing in all situations. Um, so I think with him, you know, it's really funny and it's, it shouldn't be surprising for, uh, for him to need a couple games because that slump that he was in up here to start the year in Buffalo was probably the most, just the most mentally taxing, most challenging time for him as a hockey player that probably he's ever experienced. If you think about it. And I understand that when you go from the NHL to the AHL, the game should be slower for you down there and you should immediately dominate i don't i I think it was unreasonable to think that for him believe it or not he's crazy skill level eighth overall i get it okay but i think that he was in such a slump and in such a weird spot mentally where he just couldn't get the monkey off his back it was reasonable to think that he was going to need a little time to get it going and he did it's not like you could you know you're superman where you just throw on a different shirt (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. you transform right you know right. yeah 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 and and i think that's kind of what we saw with him so i still um i'm optimistic um i don't i don't really still have any worries about him long term i see him moving in the right direction that's kind of all i need to see right now they reset him and i think he'll be he'll be okay he's playing a lot right now and that's the best thing for him let's wrap up by talking about a couple sabers defensemen obviously I want to ask you about Rasmus Dahlin. He's got 26 points in 38 games. It's tied for 25th in the league among defensemen. What's your take on him this year? It feels to me, and again, and maybe in a way this is kind of good, I'm I'm like a lukewarm Sabres fan right now. We talked about this before I started taping with you. I'm not, I haven't been watching all the games. It's kind of the same deal with me. I start out, I watch all the games. By around the holidays, I'm watching them a little less frequently. And then usually... Be honest with you, by February, March, I'm talking to you to get all my Sabres information. So I'm not watching them on a nightly basis, but it feels to me, at least again, going by what I read or in Twitter and stuff like that, it's kind of been sort of a quiet year, maybe a little more quiet than some people thought. Anyway, what's your take on him this year and year two? His uh, very young career. Started poorly. Started poorly. I don't know if he just didn't have confidence 
or what was going on there, but he's a completely different player now than he was in October. Um, and I think that's, you know, they, I think sophomore jinxes do exist. I think sophomore slumps do exist. And he, I think that's what he was battling in the beginning of the season. But I mean, they're managing his ice time really well right now. Um, he doesn't get up in that crazy Ristolainen territory very often. I think he's been over 20 minutes once in his last five games in, in so far in January. So I think for him, that's really what it is. It's getting them in the right minutes, not giving him too much work, and but yet giving him the freedom to make plays. He's got points in his last four games. I mean, that's what he's really going to do for it. He's going to move the puck. He's going to create on the power play. And I think he's hitting expectations now. He was not hitting expectations. He was far below expectations at the beginning of the year. Turnovers, getting, you know, getting turned around, chasing the play in the defensive zone. It was just a really bad look. They had to get him right, and it seems like they have. And that's really kind of where I'm at right now. I mean, I don't want to, you know, throw, I don't want to, I don't want to penalize him too much for the beginning of the year. And I don't want to throw too much praise his way either because he's still really young and he still has a lot of growth to do. I think in the long run, he's still nowhere near what he's going to be. And that should be scary for the rest of the NHL. But I think right now, just in, the, in this season alone, this snapshot, I think he's really turned a corner and it's really promising where he's going with his game. Now, a couple of these other defensemen, I'm already resigned to the fact that Bogosian will probably be here for the rest of the season. If for no other reason, he, I highly doubt he has any trade value or if he's even tradable right now with his salary. We all know about his trade requests and stuff. I look at this defense and I actually, again, I would be regurgitating the same things if I were kept asking about guys like Rasmus Rissalainen or what you think of Lawrence Pilot, this and that. Here's the one thing I do have for you, though. Are, are you surprised that Colin Miller hasn't had a better season? Because, again, he's another one that I'm reading a lot about, and most of these reports are on the negative side. He's not playing well. He's been scratched an awful lot. What's going on with him? I expected more from this kid. I think he expected more from the Sabres, too, to be honest with you. I mean, Colin Miller isn't a, you know, a world beater. You know what I mean? Like, he's never been that way. Yeah. Um, I think so. I'm kind of in between on him because I think kind of what you're getting is who he's always been in a way, but he's, his numbers have always looked better maybe than what he really is. And I'm not, you know, I'm not coming down on anyone. There were, there were a lot of people that were really excited at the, the potential to maybe make a trade for him in the summer. And rightfully so. I mean, you wanted new blood in here. You wanted guys that can, um, you know, perform well in some of the smaller details of the game. I think what happened is I, I just, you know, new team, new system, just having a really hard time adjusting. When I when I was talking about Darlene earlier, when he was chasing the play, when I was saying that, I'm also thinking about Colin Miller. Like Miller, it just doesn't look like he's fitting in defensively here. And I don't really know what the answer is, but he's another guy. He's he's chased the play a lot. Like he's not asserting himself. He's a big guy and, and strong man, and he's just not asserting himself that way. I don't know what I don't know what the answer is there. I'm, I was optimistic and hopeful um, by the trade, especially at the cost. I mean, they didn't really give up anything. Right. And, and he just hasn't taken his game to that next level, like really embrace the opportunity that, that he was given. But at the same time, when I said, he, I think he was expecting more from the Sabres, has he really truly been given that opportunity? It seemed like he's been on an awful short leash since he got here. So I don't know. Um, and I don't know what the answer is to getting him right, but he, but I'm, but at the same time, I'm not surprised necessarily that he hasn't taken. It's really strange for him because I think, I think ultimately where I land with him, Pat, is that there's a lot of Colin Millers out there in the NHL. 
yeah. know, it's almost like, like Evan Rodriguez. And you talk about him. He's like, and Evan like those guys are a dime a dozen. You right. know what I mean? And you need those guys to support the team concept. And they're just not always doing that. So it's just, it's another case. of just inconsistency with a lot of these acquisitions, unfortunately, you know, you're not, you don't know what you're getting night to night. And that's truly really where I landed with Colin Miller. You just don't know what you're going to get night to night. Last question here. And then I'm going to let you go. Appreciate your time as always. So the tone of the conversation, again, I've asked you about a lot of players who are underperforming. You talked about this earlier when we were talking that if you look at the uh, Twitter or stuff like that, you would think that this team's at the bottom of the league. It's not the case. They're kind of stuck in a, you know, I don't quite think they're a playoff team yet. And I think most people would agree with that, but what's your most optimistic outlook right now? If you're a Sabres fan and you want to be excited about the future of this team, just like most bills fans are very excited about the future of the bills. And I probably would have said that last year, even though the Sabres bills only won six and 10 last year, I still think fans were pretty excited coming into this year. So when it comes to the Sabres, what would you say, what's your most optimistic outlook right now? The optimistic outlook is to see how they're going to spend the money that they have this summer. And um, they have a real, and I think the youth that they have, you know, we talked a little bit about cousins, you know, Victor Olsson is a rookie and unhealthy. It's going to, you know, sail over the 30 goal mark. Lawrence pilot, Henry Yoki, how are you? Rasmus Dahlin, you got a real good young core of defensemen there that are very young. They're under 25. You know, they're almost like fresh out of college. You know, in the case of Darlene, he should be in college. Like, that's how young these guys are. Um, I'm optimistic about that. I think you have a really good, youthful core here. And you got a lot of fat that's going to fall off the payroll. And it's, I'm, I'm kind of excited about how they spend that money and how you plug them in with this really good young core you have. Because you have a linchpin, really. I mean, Lukanen could be a linchpin in net. I can't think of many goaltending prospects out there that are 21 or younger that have the upside that he has. That's how, you know, that's how good he can be and should be and how important I think he's going to be to the team. Um, so, I mean, I, even Rasmus Asplund, Pat, he's a rookie this year. And I think he's come in and he just, he looks like he belonged right away. That's encouraging to me. How do you build around these guys? And, and Asplund is a role player. He may not be more when all is said and done than like a really competent third line guy on a competitive team. Well, that's great. Cause what have we been talking about here for the past two years? They don't have secondary score. Right, it's like, yeah. what else? You know what I mean? So it's like guys like that. And I don't think by the way, that Aspen's going to be one of these guys that lights the scoreboard up, but I think he's going to be a real important player with the details and, you know, just doing his job. And if, if you have all these guys that do their job, good things happen. Your team scores goals. You get the puck to the right spot on the ice. You know, I, I see a lot of encouragement there with the young guys. And it's like, oh, I can I can already hear people rolling their eyes. Oh, the prospect guys telling us that they have good young players. Well, yeah, no crap, right? But they really do. They really do. And I think that's that shouldn't be lost on folks that are so frustrated watching this team because a lot of these guys that you're watching this year are not going to be here next year. And these young guys that I'm throwing praise on right now, they're going to be another year developed. And they've seen situ seen more situations. You're just going to get better and better moving forward. And I think that's really, really important for fans to understand. All right, I'm sold. Or at least I'm more optimistic than I was about 46 minutes ago. Let's just leave it at that. At Sabres Prospects on Twitter, Chris Baker. As always, man, big pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks for doing it. Thanks, Pat. Anytime. And I mean that. That interview was brought to you by Pulse Cellular. 
Today's lifestyle demands the best in wireless. And with Pulse Cellular, you have the best options available. Whether you're going with Verizon, AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile, doesn't matter what you're using currently. You can switch to Pulse Cellular, get unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data coast-to-coast with no contracts, no credit checks, and no overage fees. One line for $65, or you can get four lines for just $45 each. Wow. And by the way, that also includes hotspot, Wi-Fi calling, and up to 50 gigs per line. For all you travelers out there, Pulse has you covered in Canada and Mexico, plus text and data in over 210 countries worldwide, all with the best phones, or you can also bring your own phone. That's pretty awesome. Get the best user experience on mobile at PulseCellular.com. All right, so before I get out of here for today, I'm going to spend a couple minutes talking about my personal favorite thing. Let's call this the uh, Pat Moran indulging portion of the podcast. Of course, I am talking about chicken wings. If you know me, if you listen to this podcast, if you follow me on Twitter, if you're Facebook friends with me, you know how I feel about wings, man. I love them. I like to review them. I like to compare a quarterback to them. I like to tweet about them. I like to talk about them on this show. And of course, I like to power rank them. Seven new spots I had during my recent holiday trip to Buffalo that brings me up to 67 new spots in total that I've had since moving away from Buffalo a couple of years ago. I have not, I've written a review for a couple of these already. Still got a couple more that I need to write up. So if you want a full review, follow me on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. I'll have those up pretty soon. And then, of course, I'm going to take these seven and slot them in where I think they go in terms of my power rankings list. I had one through 60. Now it's going to be one through 67 once I add these spots. But anyway, seven new spots are in this trip. And I'm just going to spend a couple minutes here on this podcast talking about each of them and offer my take. And I'm going to do these in chronological order of places that I had as opposed to ranking them one through seven for this batch. But anyway, let's start Menio South. That's in South Buffalo on South Park Avenue. It's a pizza joint. And these were typical pizza joint chicken wings. Um, Nothing special about them at all. I mean, I got to be honest with you. If you're at a party, you're having a poker game, you got your boys over and you're pounding down some beers and you're hungry and you get some pizza and wings slap a couple slices on your plate, a couple wings. These are fine. You know, it's not, they're not going to hurt you. You're not going to hate them, but there's nothing special about these wings. You're not going to want to go out of your way, go to Minio South just to get these chicken wings. That's my take on them anyway. Not, nothing against Minio South as a whole, by the way. I don't think that they tout their chicken wings as their signature um, product on their menu. Their pizza's pretty good, and their steak hoagies are absolutely phenomenal. I'll go take a 45-minute ride to have their steak hoagies. That's how good they are. Chicken wings, though, eh, you could do without them. Next up, I went to Brunner's Tavern, which is on Main Street, and I believe it's like between that, like that Amherst. Technically, it's in Amherst, but it's like really close to Buffalo, like kind of like that border. These wings, the cool thing about these wings is that they're cooked on the grill, which is rare. I mean, it's not unheard of in Western New York, but it is rare. I know Audubon North does that, and I'm sure there's some other places. I can't think of any off the top of my head. But anyway, 
That was a plus right away. So that makes the wings different that they're cooked on the grill as opposed to uh, in a fryer. I got half medium and half Cajun medium. As far as the bar goes, by the way, I should add this really good vibe. I really, this is one of these bars where I really like the atmosphere. I felt comfortable being in there. In fact, I was in there for like five minutes. I went on a Monday and Mike Pekka, former Sabres captain, comes walking in and uh, really cool vibe. In terms of the wings, um, the medium were okay. The Cajun medium were, were good. Um, the bartender also cooks, so it's not like they have a dedicated cook. They got two bartenders, and one of the bartenders is the one cooking on the grill right in front of you, which I think is pretty cool. So, yeah, medium or so-so, Cajun medium, well above average. I could recommend this place and feel good about staying at in part because, again, they're different. They're cooked on the grill, and uh, you're not going to get that in a lot of places. So, Brunner's, Brunner's Tavern, pretty good. Next spot, more Pat. This is in Williamsville. I believe it's like on East Spring Street off Main Street in Williamsville. Went with a couple buddies and I got two types of wings. We got their house traditional wings, which they call 716. I think we got 716 uh, medium. And then Cajun dry rub. Let me say this about the bar too. I, I was completely wrong. I thought this for some reason was this like this big bar slash restaurant. Not the case at all. It's a craft beer place, essentially. Um, I did write a review on this and I incorrectly called it a brewery, which was a mistake. And trust me when I tell you, a few regulars there pointed that out to me and said, yo, man, don't be stupid. This is not a brewery. And it's not. It's a craft beer place, which a lot of people, if you like craft beer, that's cool. Me personally, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not that guy. I'm that boring, cheap ass dude who likes to go to the bar, get some wings and suck them down with a Bud Light or a Labatt or a... Of course, like something like that, you're not getting that at this bar. So if that's your game, skip this place. I can tell you that right now. Utica Club is quite literally the only domestic they have. Outside of that, it's Craft Bear City in there. So if you don't like Craft Bear, if you don't like paying six, seven bucks for a pint of beer, you're probably not going to like them. But this isn't about that anyway. This is about the wings. The 716 chicken wings, nah, they were okay. Didn't really do much for me. However, Cajun dry rub, insanely good. I really like these wings a lot. One of my, I would put them in like that upper tier of specialty wings that I've had in Western New York. I'd go to more Pat just for the Cajun dry rub. By the way, nice place, smaller place, really cool people. I had a conversation with a couple people there about wings. The bartender was really cool. I like this place a lot, but only go there. In my opinion, anyway, my take is I would only go there and take a ride, a 20, 25 minute ride if I was in the mood for something different like Cajun dry rub and I want a craft beer. Otherwise, you could probably skip this place. Next up, Casey's Tavern. And I, and I got to tell you, I am very familiar with Casey's Tavern. It's on Amherst Street, like in Black Rock, West Side Border. I'm familiar because that's where I'm from. That's where I grew up. And I probably spent dozens, maybe even a couple hundred drunk ass nights in Casey's Tavern growing up and as a young adult. I always knew it as a old man, gin, rundown, hole-in-the-wall type of Buffalo Dive bar. It's not an insult. That's the way a lot of Buffalo bars are, and I love them. I wouldn't have it any other way. But anyway, that's how I know Casey's Tavern. So when I was in Buffalo recently, a buddy of mine texted me and said, yo, come up to Casey's Tavern, have a drink with me, and you got to try their wings. Now, I hadn't had their wings, and I'm always down to try a new place. So I said, you know what, man? I ain't got nothing going on. I'll meet you up there. So I walked in expecting the same old bar that I grew up. Now, I've been gone for a couple of years. I had no idea that bar was sold. 
Um, the guy, a guy who used to bartend there actually bought the place. It's been closed for a year and a half. In fact, it just opened about a month or so ago, completely renovated. Holy shit, man. Looks incredible. I walk in, there's a scoreboard. There's a penalty box for patrons that they're unruly to, you know, jokingly be stuck in really cool memorabilia TVs all over the place in the front looks freaking phenomenal. You go in the back, it's like an arcade, four pinball machines. Four video games. I got a bubble hockey. I was like, God damn, man, this place looks phenomenal. One of the better looking, smaller to medium sports bars that I've seen in Buffalo in a long time. So I was like, God damn, it completely blew me away is what I'm trying to get at here. So I get the wings, half medium, half hot. The medium are pretty good. The hot, I'm going to be honest with you, man. Some of the best I've had in quite a long time. Standard, regular, old school Buffalo wings. No tricks, no gimmicks, no fanciness to them, just straight up hot wings. Awesome. Awesome. I like the place so much. I ended up having a conversation with the owner, went back, hooked it up and did a podcast the next week with Matt Perino. And we had wings and, and we taped an episode there. We had the hot wings, which again, I love. And we also had um barbecue on the pit, which were pretty good. Matt liked them more than I did. I'm not too much of a barbecue guy. Generally speaking, I, I just actually, it's not even that. It's just that I like the hot wings so much that I don't want to mess around with any other flavors. But anyway, Casey's Tavern, absolutely, I would rec recommend that place. In fact, that probably, when my power rankings come out, is going to end up uh, ranked pretty high. So Casey's Tavern's one. Next one was Mandy's. It's in West Seneca. To be honest with you, I don't even know what freaking street it's on. But uh, I do know it was in West Seneca. Went with a buddy. We got half medium. And then we got charbecue. Medium, I'm going to be honest with you, boring, bland. Black sauce did nothing for me at all. Charbecue, very good. So I would go there, but only if you're going to get charbecue. Cool bartender, nice little crowd in there. Lots of locals. But if you want regular buffalo wings, avoid them. If you want charbecue wings, something like that, then I would definitely say they're good enough to go to. Next place I went to was Essie Lounge, which is on Clinton Street in like Kaiser Town. Nice spot, typical, regular neighborhood place. A lot bigger, by the way, on the inside than it looks from the outside. I mean, there's a big back area, so there's plenty of room if you want to have a party there or something like that. Tons of room from there. Good place to drink at. When LSU, I don't remember who they played, but LSU destroyed um, Oklahoma. It was Oklahoma in the college football semis. I was there. Good people there. I had a couple of conversations with a couple of football fans there. Really cool bartender. But. Again, on this podcast, and when it comes to wings, I take it serious enough that I, I need to be honest with people. Hated the wings. I really did. I hated them. They weren't good at all. They were overcooked. The medium sauce was meh. We also had bourbon barbecue, which just it was more sticky than flavorful. Not very big wings. Not cooked well. Didn't like them at all. I, I mean, I, I just I got to be honest with you here. Good place. I like SE Lounge. Good people. I'll go there and drink and party my ass off. But if I get hungry and I want some wings, I just, I'm going to go in somewhere else. I'm just, I got to keep it real with you. So that's SE Lounge. Last place, Jordan's Ale House. Now, this is in South Buffalo, like on that Abbott Road, South Park Avenue, Bend. I'm not quite sure what technically the address is. But anyway, we got half hot, half medium wings, and I liked them. They were good. And the sauce, by the way, it's not Frank's. Had a conversation with the owner. It's made from scratch by the owner. She wouldn't give up the recipe. I think she thought that I was uh, trying to get it from her, which I wasn't. I was just um, complimenting her on the sauce because I thought it was good. Crispy, 
Good sized wings. I liked them a lot. I would recommend them. Here's the problem though. I went there on a Saturday night. I remember this. And I remember that because a couple of days later, I took a ride there and I wanted to have a conversation with the owner and I was going to try to hook up taping a show while I was still in Buffalo. It was closed and this was like a Monday, one or two o'clock. So that's not that big of a deal. However, I heard from somebody that the bar is closed. So that would suck. I, I just had a conversation, like I said, 48 hours ago with the owner who made some really good wings. I don't even know if they're open or not. If they're still open, go there and get some wings. They're good. So anyway, there you go. Seven new spots I tried during this latest trip. 67 in total now. Of them, the seven new places, Casey's Tavern really stuck out the most. Great bar, great vibe, really good traditional old school Buffalo hot wings. And then more Pat, really good Cajun dry rub. Pretty good grilled wings from Brunners as well, not far behind. So not quite sure when I'll be back in Buffalo. Hopefully again pretty soon. And well, so far, I think it is killing. I thought it would either be an A or an A plus, but I completely forgot that there's an A plus plus. All right, everyone, that is going to do it for another episode. Very, very big thank you again, Chris Baker. Sabres Prospects, one of my favorite guests ever on this podcast. Love and having Chris on. So thank you very much, Chris. That's just one of our show supporters, Sounds Assured, 26 shirts, and of course, Pulse Cellular. Guys, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast already, please go ahead and do that. Rate and review, all that fun stuff. Really helps me continue to grow this show a lot. Of course, you can catch us on Apple, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, pretty much anywhere Future award-winning podcasts are found. New shows every Tuesday and every Friday. Also, make sure you hit up the Analytics Podcast YouTube channel. And of course, follow me on Twitter at PatMoranTweets. I'm constantly tweeting out podcast updates, upcoming guest polls, prize pack giveaways, thoughts, all kinds of stuff going on over there. Thanks again for listening. I say it all the time, and that's the way I end every podcast because I really mean it. I appreciate each and every single one of you that are taking time from your day to listen to this podcast. I know there's so many of them out there. So for you to take time, listen to this one, it really, truly means a lot to me. So thank you very much. Have a good week. Be back. Brand new show on Friday. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.